G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. It's good to get an update, a catch-up with Martin Isles, who's the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Uh, Martin, welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Always good to be here. Martin, let's start off with something that's not such a political agenda item, although this is the biggest story today. Australia's ball-tampering scandal... Uh, It's likely to have a big fallout. And just to set the agenda for listeners who might not have caught up with this yet, on Saturday in South Africa, players hatched the idea of cheating with yellow sticky tape, uh, which they hoped would capture some debris from the pitch and scuff one side of the ball in an attempt to get reverse swing. Now, it sounds like it could be a clever invention to maybe sway the game, but Martin, this is pretty serious. The fallout here is big. This is cheating, and it's a major, major scandal. Yeah, look, it's really sad, isn't it? I mean, it's a sad day for Australia to be internationally shamed as cheaters. Um, I think it's sad for the younger people in Australia who hold these guys up as role models, but also uh, those who are older who look to them as our great sportsmen uh, and ambassadors around the world in cricket. Um, You mentioned, Neil, that it's not directly a political issue, but it does remind me of something that bears on politics, which is just the issue of integrity. Uh, I was writing a blog not that long ago about the Barnaby Joyce scandal and how that uh, there was an issue of of integrity, something going on in somebody's mind uh, that bears on their whole way of life and the way they execute their office and the way they do their various duties in life. And um, and when it's when it's not uh, when it's not the service, when it's not. When your allegiance is not focused on the right thing, you can end up uh, doing the wrong thing and and, and cheating. And I think uh, the really sad thing, I suppose, is that uh, as a society, if we don't continue to emphasize character um, and developing character uh, and integrity as a matter of first importance, if we start to emphasize winning, if we start to emphasize something else, uh, then character falls by the wayside. And unfortunately, once you've lost character, you've you've lost everything. I mean, in Victoria just recently, we saw a situation where 21, it looks like 21 Labor MPs have scammed the system to uh, pay their campaign staffers to, that they employed, uh, that they paid money to help them out in their election campaigns recently, um, which was against the rules. They, they, they seem to have faked timesheets in order to do that. Why? So they could win the election. Um, but there's issues of integrity here. And uh, it's a concern to me, I suppose, to see so many examples arising where character and integrity are taking a back seat to winning or to the political game or to the sports game uh, or whatever it is. Well, Martin, as Christians, uh, we've got a focal point for knowing what good character is. And uh, we would say, good character, look at Jesus Christ. He is Mm. the one with the perfect character and he's the one we aspire to be like when we are followers Mm. of Christ. So when we get a scandal that happens like this, all of a sudden people are no doubt 
grappling for whatever they can come up with that sort of says this is what good character should look like. We know it. Mm. We know it doesn't look good for Steve Smith and for Cameron Bancroft. Uh, reportedly going through some of their own emotional turmoil now. But but somehow or other, this is an opportunity, isn't it, for Christian believers to talk about good character and integrity based on our ethical foundation, whereas others might be wondering where good character comes from. Neil, you are so right. I mean, uh, what occurs to me straight away is that if you have that highest allegiance, you know, for us it's Christ, um, he influences everything we do, whether it's sport, whether it's politics or whatever. Um, but if that's not your highest allegiance, if it's something else, um, then you have to start to ask questions. Well, what does it mean for the way we do stuff? And if your highest allegiance is the game and winning the game, well, that's going to have an impact on the way you do that. Uh, integrity may well fall by the wayside. So it's an excellent opportunity to talk about these things and say, well, where does character come from in the first place? Um, and if it does come from somewhere, what is it? Um, and that's the great thing, I suppose, about being Christians. We have certainty about that sort of thing. Martin, it's likely that there might be more heads roll. At the moment, as I understand it, uh, Steve Smith, who stood down as captain for the remainder of the third uh, test against uh, South Africa, uh, some more heads likely to roll. And really, as a Christian, if you're trying to make sense of what's happening here and you want to see good integrity uh, restored into the Australian cricket team, you've got to expect, haven't you, that uh, everyone who's been involved in this, uh, might uh, they might act on this quickly and uh, make some very decisive uh, deliberations about what uh, the future of some of those players might be. Oh, definitely. I think if we want to send the message in the Australian community that um, character does still matter, and we, we really do hold that high as, uh, as a highest, um, highest uh, issue of highest importance, then um, there's got to be consequences, very strong consequences. I'd be very disappointed um, if the consequences are not uh, severe in this case. Otherwise, we do send the message that, well, all right, well, they're just sportsmen, you know, they're just playing the game, they're trying to win, uh, and it's okay, or it's not that bad. But it is that bad, because character is so central, and it bears on everything that we do as a society. Okay, character and integrity uh, as a part of sport and how that might relate across the board in so many ways. Let me come to another political issue today, the 29th news poll that Malcolm Turnbull has lost. Uh, there's an issue of character and integrity in all of this because uh, because 30 news polls is the standard, isn't it, that Malcolm Turnbull used uh, to displace Tony Abbott. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on his loss of the 29th news poll? Well, it's always difficult, isn't it, when you set standards you can't keep. So um, that seems to be what's happened here. He said that his justification for uh, moving a spill against Tony Abbott was the fact that Tony Abbott was behind in 30 consecutive news polls. Uh, one more, and Malcolm Turnbull is in exactly the same position. Um, and there have been reports and rumours that the government's trying to work up some messaging to change the way they talk about that and move away from sort of the, 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 the soft commitment that Malcolm Turnbull uh, implied uh, through saying that about the 30 news polls. Um, it's definitely an issue of, of integrity, I suppose, to some degree. Um, but the other side of it is it doesn't look like anybody's really poised to take advantage of it. Uh, perhaps the opposition will use it to attack, but there's nobody within the party who seems ready to come forward and say, well, all right, uh, we failed our own standards. Um, how about we put somebody else in the leadership role? Now, that's partly because we've had so many leadership changes in the last few years at a federal level and people are sick of it, um, which is fair enough. 
The other side of it, of course, is I wonder whether there's any... It's just a simple fact that nobody really wants Malcolm Turnbull's job right now um, <laughs> because it's a bit of a poison chalice. Whether or not you can uh, save enough furniture to win the next election is a very big question, and there's not many people who want to sacrifice their political uh, prospects uh, to take a leadership position that they feel there's a very strong chance they will lose and then they'll be thrown out of the leadership position and has that cost them their future as a potential political leader. So again, maybe a bit of self-interest at play there, but uh, not many people willing to take on a job where I think the Australian public are no longer listening uh, very much because they're a little bit tired of politics. Uh, and I wonder whether that's partly because you've got a lot of people in politics, and not all, there's some wonderful people in politics, but uh, there's a lot uh, who are playing the political game. Uh, and, you, you know, they're always talking political messages. They're always telling, what, telling people what the focus groups have told them to tell people. They're always on message. They're always seeming disingenuous and not, not giving us what they really think. Um, and I think people are looking for leadership. They're looking for conviction. And there's a bit of a crisis of that at the moment. And so I don't know that Malcolm Turnbull can claw back his losses because I don't know that anybody's really listening. And I also don't know whether a new leader could claw back the losses again because nobody's really listening. So it's a difficult situation. Um, and it is what it is, unfortunately. There was a commitment made. There was a, uh, a comment made about the 30 news polls and it's come back to bite him. Yes, and uh, as I heard one report a little earlier, that there's a new approach that the Prime Minister has to deal with these questions about losing the 29th news poll. Uh, he's just talking over the questions of journalists and uh, basically just uh, setting his own agenda there. So that might be a little bit amusing if you're watching Malcolm Turnbull responding to that through the day. Uh, let's talk about the other game that is afoot and uh, a very serious game, I might say, but it is in one sense a game, the extension of the Religious Freedom Review uh, through until the 18th of May now and uh, with more than 16,000 submissions uh, the need for more time for the expert panel to review those submissions uh, Martin, this is still a time isn't it? Uh, Christians need to be very cautious uh, and even prepare for what might come with uh, the recommendations that will come from the Freedom Review uh, what are your thoughts on the extension and uh, what we ought to be doing while we're waiting? Well, it's a very significant thing, as you've said, uh, Neil. Um, look, it's good that the extension has happened. There was more than 16,000 submissions to this inquiry. The very, very narrow reporting timeline that they had was just unrealistic. Um, they also had a huge number of people come and speak to the panel through their various forums around the country. Um, there were some concerns that not a lot of time was given to those, those presentations. Uh, they were not uh, recorded in a Hansard form. They weren't written down. Uh, so it was just really what the panellists remembered. Uh, and also some of the panellists, because they'd been summoned at short notice to join this process, were unavailable for a great many of those, uh, those sessions. So there's been concerns about the process, really, that it's just been rushed. It's not been um, executed with the level of integrity and, and excellence that you would hope. Um, that you would usually get, say, with a parliamentary inquiry. Um, so the extension is a very good thing. It gives them time to digest a little better and perhaps put together something that's a little bit more robust. Um, that said, I guess there's no guarantees around what the panel's actually going to say. Whether or not the recommendations are going to be uh, acceptable or whether they're going to be sufficient. So I think Christians at this point really ought to pray about that uh, very uh, sincerely. Um, I think there's no harm also in just starting the process. If you're someone who gets in touch with your local MP often, uh, or even someone who hasn't done it before, and you do make your interests known to 
your local representatives. It's not a bad time to, to mention that you are concerned about the religious freedom issue here and that you, you do think that you really, that the five million odd, the nearly five million Australians who voted no need that religious freedom post same sex marriage because if this is on politicians' radars as early as possible, it just means that on May, uh, in May, when when the recommendations are handed down, they've already got it in their mind. They're not going to be immediately swayed just to support the recommendations uh, without thinking about it first or without remembering what their constituents have told them or groups like ACL have told them. So what we're doing is we're lobbying still. We're not stopping. We're still talking to politicians and saying, look, a good outcome is really important, regardless of what the panel says. Um, because what the panel says, we're just not going to be sure at this stage. It might be enough and it might be not enough. Mm. Martin Isles is our guest from the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin, you've got a, a number of events that are coming up, important events. Uh, one that's coming up tomorrow night in Brisbane, uh, where the Centre for Human Dignity has a special event on uh, with a title for what will be discussed, The Problem with Pornography with Dr. Roby Sonderegger. Uh, clinical psychologist. Uh, this is an important event because uh, formulating approaches to this issue are, are really uh, important when they come around uh, these sorts of guest speakers who really speak into the issue. Yeah, look, um, it's a really important subject area at the moment. I think that perhaps the problem of pornography crept up on us a little bit because a new generation grew up with the internet connected uh, and with really free reign and a lot of freedom uh, in the way that they used that. Uh, and pornography became so freely available. And I think people were very slow in realizing just what a plague it has been uh, and just how widespread the issues have been. Um, and now we're at a point where we're realizing that it's actually having detrimental effects, as we'd imagine as Christian people. Uh, we know that these things are not in God's design and that they're wrong and they cause real issues. And we now know scientifically that there are serious problems that this causes. It changes the brain function of young people. Um, it is also responsible for uh, trends uh, in relation to uh, uh, violence and so forth. And so all of a sudden we're in a situation where we're saying maybe a policy response is necessary to the issue of pornography because it's got away on us and it looks like it's actually very serious. Now, as Christians, we could have predicted that. Um, but now we, of course, uh, have the scientific and policy basis to back that up so that we can go and talk about it. So it's a good, good event to go to uh, in order to get briefed uh, and, and, and to understand really what the issue is there. Okay, and it's going to be the first of four forums organised by the Centre for Human Dignity this year. There is a website if you're around the Brisbane area or in southeast Queensland, northern New South Wales, you might be able to get to that event, the centreforhumandignity.org.au. There's another event schedule that you've got coming up, and it's a tour around the capital cities all around the nation. Uh, with Dr. Ryan T. Anderson, who's back in Australia. Now, Ryan T. Anderson is truly uh, the authority, the expert on these sorts of issues. He's got a new book, When Harry Became Sal Sally, and talking through issues of gender theory. This is going to be an important tour for people all around Australia to try and get to. Yeah, look, Ryan Anderson is brilliant. He came out two years ago and, and, and ACL brought him out. He spoke then on the marriage issue. He really shot to fame through some incredible TV performances over in the U.S., uh, where he was really, really put under serious pressure on a number of television programs as a guest. He was a young guy in his late 20s, and he performed unbelievably. And uh, he's shot to fame. He now works at the, the Heritage Foundation. He's a real intellectual. He's quite a genius. Young fella. 
Um, and he's done a lot of work, uh, firstly on the marriage issue, but also on the transgender issue. And so that book, as the title suggests, uh, When Harry Became Sally, uh, responding to the transgender moment is really his contribution to the transgender debate uh, and the gender identity debate. And we're very familiar with that in Australia through some of these headline issues like the Safe Schools Program. Um, the truth is it's actually a much uh, larger issue than the Safe Schools Program alone would let us know. Um, this is an ideology that is very, very widespread. It springs out of a lot of what our kids have been taught at school in general, uh, and the way they've been taught to think for some years now. I mean, I'm, I'm not too old to know that when I went through school, some of the seeds of what we call, sometimes people call it social Marxism, sometimes postmodernism. It's, 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 it, it confuses us uh, when we hear those words. But, but these are ideas, these are ways of thinking uh, that have been taught to kids through the mainstream education system for some time now. Um, and it manifests itself also in the gender issue. Um, it's something that we finally need to understand as Australians and we need to start getting our head around what on earth is going on when we see so much craziness uh, around uh, gender confusion and, and, you know, when you see these news stories like you saw last week, the University of Sydney Debating Union, where they, they're all of a sudden having these debating teams where you don't choose debaters based on who's the best debater, but now whether or not they're trans women and whether or not they're racial minorities and whether or not they identify and all these kinds of, this kind of language which makes our head explode. And you go, well, hang on, I thought we were meant to be a debating team, but this kind of thing's not going to be on the fringe anymore. It's going to become more mainstream. There's a strange ideology that's fueling it, but unfortunately, it's just going to get worse and worse. So Ryan's going to come and unpick the confusion, I suppose, put it in layman's terms and help us to understand what's wrong with stuff like safe schools, uh, what's going on, why is someone, everyone obsessed with transgenderism and gender dysphoria now, uh, and what are the risks into the future? Because there's going to be changes to law, uh, I think, as there have been in other countries, um, which affect parents' rights on this stuff um, and also affect the rights of Christians and churches on this stuff to teach the truth uh, and to respond well in a way that Christ would have us respond uh, to them. Okay, well, if you're wondering when Ryan Anderson is going to be in Australia, Melbourne, April the 13th, Sydney on the 16th, Canberra the 19th, Adelaide the 21st of April, and in Brisbane on the 23rd of April. There is a website there too. Uh, Simply uh, go to the ACL website, Australian Christian Lobby, acl.org.au, and there'll be a link there for uh, the Ryan T. Anderson visit. Of course, he'll be talking about his new book called When Harry Became Sally, and he'll be talking too about gender theory. Uh, Always good to get an update with you, Martin Isles, who's Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin, thanks for being with us and sharing your thoughts with us again today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Always a pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.